You wake up and you go, go, go all day until you crash at night. You know you are busy, but you're not really sure what you got done or if you even moved closer to your goals. If this sounds familiar at all, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Digital Barbell Podcast. Our mission is to provide you with a clear path to health and fitness through education, coaching, and accountability. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Blakely Fletcher, and we are here to serve you. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review so that we can reach more people. You can find us daily on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell. Now, let's get to today's topic. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 152 of the Digital Barbell Podcast. As always, thank you for being here and thank you for your ratings and reviews. We have a special episode for you today. I was lucky enough to get to interview Patrick Cummings. He's the owner of Functional Branding. He's also the co-host of a couple other podcasts that you might listen to. So if you recognize his voice right off the bat, you'll know why. We talked all about being busy productivity, how we tend to max out all of the time that we give ourselves, no matter how long it is, and how we can build awareness of that time so that really ultimately we have more time for the things that we do want to prioritize in life. If you like this kind of stuff, you are going to love this episode. So without further ado, here is my interview with Patrick Cummings. Patrick Cummings is the owner of Functional Branding. He helps gym owners and wellness brands rise above the noise, clarify their mission, and execute their plan to help others change their lives. Thanks for being here, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, Blakely and I are big fans of your work, so appreciate your time and even doing this. And if you guys listening to this recognize Patrick and his voice, it's because he's the co-host of the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski, who's been on this podcast a couple times, and Chasing Excellence with Ben Bergeron. We were also pleasantly surprised the other night to hear you as the narrator on the yes. intro and outro of the most recent uh, CrossFit documentary. That was really yeah. cool. Yeah, Have you had a chance fun. to see the finished film? Yeah, I got to see it a little bit in bits and pieces as they developed it, because obviously I kind of needed to know what was going on to, to do the voiceover to write it. Um, uh-huh. and then she, and then Mariah sent me, a uh, the, the finished copy a couple weeks ago. So I got, a, I got a little bit of a sneak peek. I got to tell you, man, I didn't know that you wrote the intro and outro of that also, but the outro, especially we were just like ready to run through a wall after we listened <laughs> to that outro. That was awesome. I know, that came out really nicely. And, and when you, when you combine like the right visuals with the right music and like that, it's just like, I'm with you. Like I felt the same thing and I was like, oh, I wrote that. That was me. But I was still like, I want to run through a wall right now. So if, I mean, if, the way they timed the about- staccato. Yeah, that's it's the cool thing about, you know, uh, media or film or anything like when you start adding little pieces together, they make everything a little bit better. Right. And so we can find the right pieces to to put together. It's one plus one plus one equals seven. Mm -hmm. I know that's one of the things that this is not anything I planned on talking about, but I know that's something (laughs) that will help Blakely and I's business is to have some sort of video on our homepage that tells the story of our clients combined with the right audio and video and editing and stuff just to, Mm -hmm. you know, just like your outro of that movie to make people want to run through a wall and 
tackle their health and fitness and hire us to do that. So that's, <laughs> that's right. It's on the list of things to do. Yeah. Awesome. Let so me know if I can tell be useful us to you. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> I know you got the skill set. Um, tell us about how you got into CrossFit and podcasting and business yeah. coaching and you know, how you've kind of been able to blend those things. Plus like your just love of fitness and branding and yeah. stuff to help people. Yeah. Um, the short version is in 2005, 2006, I was working at a bank, uh, and I was miserable and I was lucky enough to meet, uh, another young man who was also working at the bank, who was also miserable. Uh, and he happened to have fallen in love with CrossFit. And this is, you know, again, in 2005, 2006, that more, there was, you know, 15 people who were in love with CrossFit at that point. Uh, but he's a, I'm still buddies with him. He's a very entrepreneurial, very hard charger. And so he found this thing, he fell in love with it and almost immediately began to figure out how can I take part in that thing? And so he started a blog and, um, uh, and again, in 2005, 2006, 2007, not a lot of people were doing that. And so if anybody was blogging, if anybody was doing anything, it got the attention of everybody else, right? It, at that point, the community, the virtual community was all uh, forum based on CrossFit.com. And so if you were part of that forum and you were doing something, you got attention. And so he started blogging, um, created this blog called Again Faster. And he did that for a little while. And he and I were, were friends. We ended up living together. We got an apartment together. And slowly but surely, he got even deeper into CrossFit and finally kind of dragged me into it. And so we started, he had started this idea again faster, just as a blog, a place for him to kind of explore some of these ideas um, that he was learning about. But, but relatively quickly, he realized that there was a bit of a need, at least that we had a need, and he realized that maybe other people had a need for um, a portable pull-up bar. We would go to the park on Sundays when our gym was closed, and we would just we would grab some dumbbells, grab some some kettlebells, throw them in the back of the car, and we'd be like anybody at the gym, like, hey guys, if you want to meet us here on Sundays, you know, come on over, we'll we'll run a class. Um, and so we did that for a while, and we were like, gosh, it'd be great to be able to do pull-ups. And where we were doing the workouts, we just didn't have a pull-up bar. Um, and so he ended up kind of devising this portable pull-up bar with, with like cam straps and stuff we, we got at Home Depot. And it was like, <laughs> it was like a um, free-floating pull-up bar. So it was actually really hard because it, it, yeah. it uh, moved with you. So you had to learn how to kip on a, on a bar that was like also kipping in the opposite direction. And so it, it added some variability and some challenge and... Um, so anyways, long story short, we were like, gosh, we really like this. We think other people might. And so he jumped on the forum and said, hey, guys, we've been we've built this. Does anybody else want one? And so we slowly started getting orders uh, uh, and we would go to Home Depot. And at this point, uh, we probably it was like <laughs> it was probably like eighty five dollars in material and we would charge like ninety five dollars for him. Right. So like we weren't really right. doing anything, but we got we you know, we, we he got the bug and I got the bug. And we slowly but surely built again faster into a bona fide equipment company. And so over the course of 2007, 2008, 2009, when CrossFit was really starting to become something, that was a need that people had. And so we served, uh, we served at least to the degree that we could do it, we served uh, that need. And so that's where really it all began, began for me. So I went to, uh, my undergrad is in writing, my graduate degree, which I got right around the time that we were starting again faster, is in media and video. And so that was kind of my role there is I did the media, I did um, some, you know, some basic copywriting, some website stuff, some photography, all that stuff. 
Um, and John, uh, who, uh, who is the, my friend, um, kind of did all the business stuff. And at the same time he was, uh, he was on seminar staff. So every weekend he would get on an airplane mm-hmm. and, and eventually almost every weekend I would get on an airplane with him and I would go to level one and level two seminars, uh, and specialty seminars and I would film. And so that became kind of what we did it again, faster. We sold equipment and we created media and we tried to figure out how to do both of those things, uh, at the same time, kind of moving in the right direction. And so really that was the beginning. And then that's, I've effectively kind of just continued to some degree, all of those things until now. Yeah. I'm very familiar with that brand. I think some of the very first CrossFit equipment we bought back in like 2009 and even the gym, that's when we started, um, at CrossFit. And like you said, back then there was only one gym in town and I think they had quite a bit of, again, fast for equipment, um, back in the gym. What kind of, what was some of the things that you guys sold back in those days beyond just the, the dangerous sounding pull up rig? (laughs) Um, we sold everything. We had an interesting model early on, and we don't have to we don't have to geek out about the 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 evolution of e-commerce, but ultimately that's what it is. <laughs> um, we we realized really early that we could build a website and we could connect ourselves with manufacturers who are making the kinds of equipment that CrossFitters needed. Because remember, mm-hmm. in 2007, 8, 9, 10, like the market wasn't big enough for even even though Rogue started at the same time as us the market wasn't big enough to really warrant like creating all your own stuff and branding. Like, so what we did is we connected with companies, um, who created like, you know, specialty, um, uh, weightlifting companies who were making, um, bumper plates. We connected with them. We connected with gymnastics companies who were making wooden rings and mm-hmm. parallettes. We connected with, uh, um, like a, a company like innovate who were, who were doing shoes. And so what we did was we, what's called drop shipping. And so people would come to our mm-hmm. website, they'd pick what they needed. I need three kettlebells and five, bar, you know, five barbells and whatever. We would take that order and we'd say, okay, uh, company A, we need three kettlebells. Company B, we need your, we need five of your um, barbells. And we would coordinate the, the, the organization of all that and the shipping of that. Yeah. And so company A and company B would, would, would fulfill the orders and we would be the point of contact for that customer. And so what we provided early on was you don't have to go to seven websites to, to outfit your gym, come to us. We've, we've got the relationships, we've got the gear and what we, and we just take the, that kind of middleman cut from it. And so that's how we yeah. started. Eventually we got into manufacturing and, and, uh, warehousing and all that other stuff. But when we started, it was, it, it was, we were drop shipping and we were creating media on top of that. And so that's really how we, we kind of got our foothold, you know, in, in the community. Mm -hmm. seems like a lot lower risk way to get into things than building out a manufacturing facility right off the bat. hundred percent. And actually it's easier to do that now to a large degree. Um, and it was, uh, it was when we shifted away from that, it was probably not the right decision <laughs> for different mm. reasons we don't really have to get into. But like, because yeah. as you're alluding to, like, it's a lot harder, it's a lot more expensive, there's a lot more risk, there's a lot more complexity, right? Like, there's so much more to it yeah. that ultimately, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back, that was probably the, the one big pivot we made that was ultimately not the right pivot to make. And maybe we would have needed to do it, but um, but we did it because we were chasing rogue at that point versus figuring mm-hmm. out what we should be doing and doing what we should be doing. So that's a lesson. We watch Le- a big lesson of, learned. We watch a lot of shark tank around here. So a lot of the things yeah. that you're saying come up in a lot of those episodes. Yeah, Why are you 100%. trying to be in the business of making these widgets? You don't need to build out the facility 100%. to make these widgets. 
Yep. Okay. Well, we could probably talk about this for the entire hour, but let's get on with, um, with something that I really want to dig into. Um, yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things that we talk about a lot with our clients, you know, outside of just health and fitness is kind of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of that. And I'm talking about mm. the time that it takes to do all this. And I'm sure this is really something you have to dig into with your business coaching clients. Yep. You know, everything takes time, it takes time in the short term. Like I need 30 minutes to do a workout. And in the long term, like I need to find the time to make this part of my life forever. But the problem yep. is like, if you were just to text 20 of your friends and be like, Hey, how things been going? 19 of them are going to say, I've been busy. It's like yeah. nobody has any time for this stuff. Yeah. You've written a lot about this and you guys talk about it all the time on Chasing Excellence. So I want to tap into your brain and the things that you've already thought about this. Just have a conversation on how we can break free from this trap of always, always feeling so busy and start like taking action towards the things that we say that we actually want. How does that sound? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's It's such a... It's such a geeky topic that I just, I just adore. So I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> well, um, I mentioned that you've written about this a lot and I think a lot of us tend to research and write about things that we've struggled with or, or yep. tried to work on personally. Is this something that you kind of have a personal connection to in your own, yeah. you know, in your yeah, own journey? It's interesting. You're, you're spot on. Um, and that is why I write about it a lot. Um, but for me, it's it's less of because, gosh, I got to figure this out because I'm miserable and more because I realized early on in the days of Again Faster um, that nobody had taught me. I'd gone through, obviously, high school and an undergrad and grad school, and nobody once had sat me down and said, here's how you organize yourself so that you can actually accomplish all of these things that you need to accomplish. And so I realized really quickly in 07, 08, 09, when when the recognition happened that like, oh, I get to, I, like, this might actually work. <laughs> there was a period where <laughs> we were doing this and like, it was like, oh, I'm doing this thing with CrossFit. And everybody was like, what that, what is that? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Right. And so I realized really early on, like, oh, I've got to figure out how to do this. If I, if I want to continue to do this, because it was just John and I across the table. Nobody knew what we were doing. We had, nobody had any expectations as, as to whether we were going to succeed or not. We didn't know how to do it. And so I, re I realized like, okay, there are parts of this process. I don't have a boss. Nobody's gonna tell me what to work on tomorrow. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna hold me to what I say I'm going to do. Nobody's gonna be, um, nobody's gonna care if I get to, if I accomplish that goal or this goal, or if I get to do this in two years, nobody cares. I'm the only person to, to be able to figure this out. And so I started to just try and figure out how to do this thing, how to do this thing that doesn't have the constraints that that many things in life do. Mm -hmm. When you think about school, school is nothing but a series of constraints that you that somebody hands you. Do this thing, give it to me by this day, and also figure out how to do that alongside the three other things that three other people told you to do and give them on that same day. When you go get yeah. a job, please show up at this time and do this task, and this is what you'll be judged by, and, and you can be done when, you know, you can be done at this point, all of these, and, and if you're ever bored, I will hand you more things to do. <laughs> So what you realize really early on is if I don't figure out how to how to work efficiently and effectively with the autonomy that I have, I will not be successful. And I will have to go find somebody else to tell me what to do because it's the only way I know how to be useful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. if I want to continue to 
have the autonomy that I have, I need to figure out how to be useful inside of that autonomy. Um, and so that's been the process of the last 10 plus years is how do I do this? How do I build this life that nobody will teach me how to do? Like I, my having grown up and watched my dad work, never had to figure out how to organize his own schedule. Mm-hmm. Never just didn't have to, he needed to go to the office and then he had to do all the work there and he got home by six or seven. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot, there was structure there. He never had to figure out what to do on Wednesday afternoon. Cause there was probably a meeting he had to be in. Right. And so yeah. as you recognize like, okay, I get to make the rules, but that means I'm responsible for the rules. You mm-hmm. start to figure out like, well, how do I do that? And so the last number of years has been me trying to figure out how I can live the life that I want to live and be successful and be, and, and be able to continue to do it. And a big part of that, and I get like, I joke, it's like super geeky, but it's so fundamental is if you can't figure out how to organize your time, you don't get to choose what to do with your time because you will have to give it, you will have to give that control over to somebody else. And so for me, flexibility, autonomy, creativity, like those are core to my being. And if I lose those things, I, I lose a big part of myself. And so I mm-hmm. recognize when I got the, when I got a taste of it at again faster that I can't give this up. And if I, if that's the case, then I need to figure out how to make sure I can do this on my own. Yeah. We have a, a lot of clients who are photographers just because of the, ref, the way referrals work and, yep. and they're self-employed. And I'm sure they're identifying yep. with a lot of things that you're saying, because they're in control of their own destiny. They don't have a boss telling them show up at this time. And there's such a trickle down effect to the way a business grows when you're the one in control of it. You know, like what you do today is probably not going to have a payoff until three, six months down the road. So if you don't have the discipline and, and the way to schedule your time today, well, don't be surprised in three, six months from now, if you don't have anybody knocking on your door. Yep. Um, but um, you said something really interesting in one of the posts on your website. You said, being busy is a reflection of the amount of our available time resources that we're spending. It's like a ratio of how much of our time that we're spending. That's what makes us feel busy. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how maxing out our available time, regardless of what we're doing, is making us feel so busy. Yeah. So there's this, there's this concept or, called Parkinson's Law. Um, and the first time I came across it was years ago in Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Uh, and it's been strange how it occasionally shows up. And every time it shows up, I realize that it's actually like, it's maybe one of the most important things to understand. And Parkinson's law basically says that work will, will fill the time you've allotted for it. So in other mm-hmm. words, if you give yourself 10 hours to do work, you will fill it with 10 you will fill 10 hours with work. If you give yourself 2 hours of work, you will fill it with 2 hours of work. And there's there's even uh, there's even a nutrition uh uh um connection to it whereby if you use a smaller plate, you will f- eat less food. When you have a bigger plate, you will fill the plate. And so if w- one of the simple strategies is just use slightly smaller plates. Sounds absurd, mm-hmm. but we fill what we have. It's, beca- it's because we, we, are, we are cavemen uh, pri- primarily. And so we, are res- we, we, we want to fill our resources because we don't know when those resources might come back. That is like our hard wiring. And so yep. it's just that we live in an environment, we live in a world, we live at a time where actually that's not that useful anymore. We don't need to fill 
everything all the time because it's not running out, right? And so, um, and so Parkinson's law is where I often begin, which is how can I reduce the available time that I'm giving myself so that I force myself to really ask which of these things is more important? Which of these things is actually important? Because if I don't do that and I don't ask that question, if I don't make myself say, of these four things that apparently need to get done, if I never make myself say, okay, which two of those actually doesn't have, I will try to do all four of them. And I will probably mm-hmm. do all four of them poorly because I can't do all four of them in the, in the time that I've given myself or the space that I've given myself. And so until we start to say, oh, I don't have infinite time, I have a limited amount of time until we recognize what that limitation is or what that constraint is, or or we don't implement that constraint. We will just continually try to fill those hours up. It's just our default state. So the first Mm -hmm. thing we have to do is recognize that we are going to fill whatever amount of time or space that we have given ourselves. And if we haven't given ourselves any, it will, it, it doesn't mean that we get to get, it means it simply means that we're not being aware of how much time that we have to give ourselves so that we actually have. Yeah. Still and so the, the first thing is, the first thing is, is, is in order in, in, to get not busy is to recognize which hours do I have to fill with things and which hours do I have to not fill with things and getting really clear on what the right balance is for you and then starting to work backwards from there. Like if you're, if you're a startup founder and like you're working, you know, 12 hour days and like you're just in that, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But until you're really honest with yourself about that, you won't figure out, well, why can't I get my diet dialed in? Why can't I get to the gym and, you know, you know, uh, consistently? Well, it's because you've allocated 12 hours of your day to being in the office. You don't have any more time to go spend an hour and a half at the gym. You don't have time to food prep right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not a mystery. It's math. (laughs) You don't have more. (laughs) And so your choice then becomes, yeah. So there, there is, therein lies your choice. Am I okay with this imbalance that I have? Or do I need to do a little bit of work to figure out, can I work 10 hours a day? And now I've got that two, those two hours that I can now reallocate to getting to the gym, to food prep, to cooking my own food, to meditating, to sleeping a little more, like whatever it is, until you take away or until one you identify and then you rebalance what that what it actually looks like, of course you don't have time. You're not you're not being conscious about where you what you are giving your time to. So you've got to do mm-hmm. that first. What's a good way to go about that because I think it- Everybody's kind of nodding along right now, but like, yes, that makes that makes sense. Now, where do I start with starting to audit my life and look for, yep. you know, br- how can we bring some honest awareness to this in a practical way? I love that. Okay, so there's a couple of things. The first thing, and so, and I've laughed with EC about this before because I've suggested her doing the same thing. What is the first thing that EC and probably you do a degree suggest that people do when they start? Like, I'm going to get my nutrition in order. Well, cool. So for the next week, I'd like you to record everything you eat, right? Because I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're, I don't know what we're starting with, right? I don't know if you need more fruits and vegetables or you need to, you know, uh, or you just don't, aren't getting enough calories. Like, I don't know what the problem is here, so I can't solve it. And so first thing I would suggest people do, and, and it's, just like count, it's just like counting macros or calories or record, it's a pain in the ass and it, it's okay. 
the first thing you need to do is record your day. You need to figure out where your time is going without your putting any kind of, without tipping the, the, the scale in any direction. Like, I don't want, like, I need you to record your diet for two weeks. I don't want you to change it. I know that's going to be weird and you're going to be paying more attention to it. So you're going to eat, you know, less cookies because you're like, oh, shit, I got to, I got to tell Jonathan that I ate three cookies. Somebody's, somebody's that's okay. Watching. That's going to happen. Um, yeah. But the first thing you want to do is you want to, like, if you're a knowledge worker, if you spend most of your time on the computer, this is actually pretty easy. You can use any number of apps to just simply start to record. Okay, at 11 o'clock, I started responding to emails. And at 12.15, I stopped and I did lunch from 12.15 to 1.15. And then at one at 1.15, I got back to this. And then you can, you can start to... Um, uh, you, that's easy to do with work. If it's, if you kind of work on a computer, that's easy though. You can still do it on your phone. Those apps still exist. And so what I would start to do is like, okay, I woke up at seven o'clock and you can do this at the end of the day. You could like ballpark is good enough for this. Okay. Mm. Woke up at seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock to eight o'clock. I did absolutely nothing useful. Eight o'clock to nine o'clock. I drove to the office nine o'clock to nine fifteen. I did email, whatever. Start to build out what your day actually looks like, because until you have a sense of where your time is going without much intention, you can't really fix it because you've got to get you've got to get a sense. You've got to be able to see, oh shit, I spend two hours in the morning drinking coffee, and is that <laughs> useful? Is that the best? Like, is that an opportunity for me to do something more useful? Maybe, right? Or maybe that's just like that's the only alone time you get, and maybe that's like no, I need that. I want that. Cool. The point being is, until you see it, you can't fix it. And so for a week or two weeks audit your time. Where is it going? And then after you get a sense of that, then what you've got to do is say, okay, what does a good week look like? Not a perfect week, not an ideal week, right? Because I, you know, we ask them, create your ideal week. It's like, I spend three hours on the beach in the morning and then I go to the movie theater. Like, okay, well, that's not useful to us. Um, so you've got to create a good, a good week. What does that look like? How much time, like where, how much time are you working? How much time are you, whatever, spending with the family? How much time are you working out? How much time, whatever, whatever is a good week. Where am I, whatever, what your priorities are. What does that look like? Like, how does that work? So you kind of get a list or a sense of what that, a good week looks like. And then you sit down, you can do this with a blank piece of paper. You can do this with a, with like an iCal or Google calendar. You can do this in any number of ways. But what you do is you, go into a calendar and you start to put in everything that you've already determined is on the calendar. So if you work from nine to five, from nine to five goes on the calendar because those hours are already allocated for. You've already determined that I have to be at that place or do that thing at those hours. So you don't get to choose that. You've already made that choice. That choice is made. You're done. Nine to five, Monday through Friday. Cool. That goes on the calendar. Okay, when do you wake up? All right, I wake up at seven o'clock every day. Okay, so that means from seven to eight thirty is open. Seven to eight thirty to you, you know put that on the calendar. Seven to eight thirty is open. Okay, and I get home at five thirty and we do dinner at seven. So you've got five thirty to seven open, and at seven o'clock is uh, you know is dinner and putting the kids to bed. Right. So those times are allocated for. Like in my mm -hmm. life, like it's seven o'clock on really. 6.30 on is like putting kids to bed and 6.30 to eight is that. Like, I don't have a choice. It's <clears> as <throat> if somebody sent me a calendar invite that said, put kids to bed, <laughs> right? Cool. So what you start to do is, what this exercise starts to show you is how little time you actually have to do the things that are important but not urgent. Mm -hmm. When you recognize that, then back to what I said before, then you are in a position to say, okay, I've got, now I'm looking at my calendar, 
And I've actually only got four hours a week that are really kind of mine, that I'm not, I don't need to be somewhere else, that nobody expects something of me, that I don't have a responsibility elsewhere. I've got four hours. Okay. What do I want to do with those four hours? Mm-hmm. And that's where we get into, I want to eat better, or I want to work out, or I want to read more, or I want to start that side hustle, or I want to start writing, whatever it is. Now you have an accurate sense of how much time you really, truly, realistically have. And when we don't do this, what happens is we have this vague sense of I should work out more, I should eat better. And then we always feel like a failure because we haven't put enough constraints into what that means. Mm -hmm. I don't work out enough. Well, what's enough? I should work out six hours a week. Okay, but I'm looking at this calendar that you've just created and there's no possible way that you have six hours in the week unless you start to make different decisions. Can you go to the office an hour later? Can you take Wednesdays off and work from home? Can you go an hour earlier so that you can get to the gym? And Whatever it is, until you have a sense of what, what am I trying to do? What do I need to be able to do that? And what needs to change so that I have the time for it? Yeah. And so getting this sense of the calendar. Yeah. Until, until we get a sense of where our hours are going and where our hours need to go, we don't have enough information yet to know what we can do with the remainder. And so if you want to work out more, you want to eat better, you want to meal prep, you want to start the side hustle. The first thing is how many hours a week do you have to do one of those things or all of those things? I've got four hours. I've got five hours. I've got all day Sunday. Amazing. But you can't work out all day Sunday, right? So it's like you've got to then work within within those constraints. Okay, maybe Sunday is you do an entire week of meal prep so that throughout the week you've got all your meals done. And instead of the 30 minutes it takes you to make lunch, breakfast, dinner every day. Maybe you get out in the garage and you do some, you do, you do a workout. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Cool. We just found the time that you couldn't find before. And we did it by being really honest with ourselves about how much time we are, we truly have to do the things that we feel like we need to be doing. I want to back up and emphasize something that you said, because this is something we see with clients a lot is that just that vague sense that there's these things that we know that we should be doing. Um, and it's almost like we have that as a goal and we expect ourselves to be moving towards that goal. But since there's no, you know, realistic expectation of how we're going to make that happen, that vague outcome based goal never turns into a process that fits within our real life and just makes us feel like we're failing. And like, when you feel like you're failing, it's even harder to put any effort in and everybody knows that, you know, that effort and those actions will actually motivate you to keep going. So I don't want to glaze over that. And if you feel like you're in that loop right now, it's okay. That's a pretty common place to be, Mm -hmm. especially when you feel busy, you know, um, you and Ben talked in a recent episode just about, I forget what it was only three or four episodes ago about how we're all kind of like walking around unconscious unless we realize the level of attention we're giving to all the distractions in our life too. And sometimes we're using all these modern distractions really as like, you know, an emotional placator. It's meeting our needs somehow. So even outside of the time we're talking about the nine to five job, I think we have to have a way to look at how, you know, a time audit of where are we wasting time, even during those working times that could be spent on something else. Um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, personally, like our office is 30 feet away from our house and I catch myself walking back and forth, looking at Instagram 
Like, mm-hmm. or I catch myself listening to a podcast when I'm down at the Creek in the backyard fishing, when that should be time that I'm, you know, thinking yeah. and relaxing and that kind of stuff. So it's yep. tough. The, yep. the possibilities yeah, for distraction we, are we, endless. <clears throat> yeah. I think one of the things we have to recognize is that we have built a culture that optimizes for convenience Good, mm-hmm. for whatever reason this is this is the thing we've decided to kind of build our, our our culture around is can i get this faster cheaper easier with less effort mm-hmm. and so the first thing we have to do is recognize that that like that's what we're up against we're up against a culture that optimizes for convenience and we recognize that convenience while wonderful for some things is detrimental to almost anything worth doing. Very few <laughs> things worth doing are convenient. Very few things worth doing are easy. Very few things worth doing aren't on the other side of a little bit of failure and some discomfort and some anxiety. Like it just, <laughs> I, I get, well, it sucks. But like that's just like sure. I can't think of anything worth doing where there's not that kind of that trough of discomfort <laughs> that you've got to get through. Yeah. And so that's the first thing we have to recognize is we are we're walking around in a culture that wants to remove the discomfort and replace it with convenience. And so the phone is nothing but a convenience device. It's nothing but a convenience machine. And so we have to fight against that in the same way that we walk into a store and they've decided that uh, donuts need to go near the cash register no matter no matter what store it is. Why? I don't know. Somebody decided it was okay and 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 it's been rewarded enough that nobody's going to stop doing it. So it's up to us. It's up to us to recognize that that convenience is not helpful to us. And so recognizing mm-hmm. that is at least the the bit of awareness you need to be able to say would this be better if I just like I was I just sat here quietly for a few minutes. Am I actually getting anything from Instagram? Am I actually getting anything from, you know, or am I, would I be getting something better or more or different if I went fishing without the phone? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Let's try it this time. Let's see what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, When we don't have that awareness, when we don't ask those kinds of questions, the world will hand us something to placate us. It will hand us something to distract us. It will hand us something that feels kind of, you know, it's like a, it's a little sugar snack that doesn't feel like it's that doing any harm. It's not really doing any harm. And in little micro doses, it's probably not doing any harm. But think about that in the course of a month. Think about that in the course of a year. Think about that in the course of 10 years or your lifetime. Those little, they add up. They have to add up. They will absolutely add up. Um, And so we've got to just be aware that it's not 30 seconds of Instagram. It's, It's the habit of looking at Instagram instead of taking a deep breath and taking a walk or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. else could be, we could replace it with. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that there's an opportunity cost to the little choices mm-hmm. that we make too. We, we might think of it just as wasting time or being busy, but that's time that we're not doing, you know, something else. And if we feel busy, mm-hmm. then we got to decide whether we want to, you know, be realistic and honest about what the opportunity cost is and try to make a change. I think like you were kind of touching on just the whole concept of our tendency as humans to go for the past, the path of least resistance, um, Mm -hmm. even for the short term payoff, you know, like what's the difference if you miss one workout? Well, not a big deal, but, um, 
you know, what's the, what's the big deal about not or choosing the cookie over the salad? Well, not a big deal in the moment, but those choices add up over mm-hmm. time and you don't end up getting the delayed result when you choose instant gratification. Yep. Yep. We could write a, I mean, there probably are books about that, <laughs> but it's such, it's such a <laughs> yeah, huge I mean, thing. It, it, in the notification yeah, it, culture. It, it absolutely is. Cause it ultimately like, again, the, the one cookie not going to kill you, not going to be the, the reason you don't lose the 10 pounds or the reason you don't get a 10 pound PR. But what happens is you become the kind of person who always says yes to the cookie versus you become the kind of person who doesn't even look at the cookie. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, that only happens by repetitive decisions. So you become the kind of person who can't say no to the cookie because every time somebody presents you with a cookie, you eat it. And so it becomes the identity that we have for ourselves. I can't say no to cookies versus mm-hmm. I promise you, if you say no to cookies for three weeks, you will be, you will, the story you will start telling yourself is I'm the kind of person who can say no to cookies. And then it becomes a little bit easier the next time somebody hands you cookies, because in order to take that cookie, you have to break the story that you've started to tell yourself about who you are. And we don't want to do that. It's the reason why it's hard to do in the first place because we don't like telling ourselves a different story because that's uncomfortable because it's mm-hmm. hard because it means, well, what if I fail? What if the, like this is hard? I don't want it. I don't want it to be hard. I'm tired, right? And so it's just about getting reps in. It's about getting reps in in the direction that you're trying to get in. And eventually you become the kind of person that those reps are easier. Same thing mm-hmm. with a barbell, right? First, you know, an empty barbell is heavy, heavy until you do enough reps of it and then it's not heavy anymore and then you're warming up with it. Why? Well, it's because your body got used to moving that particular load in that particular way and now you don't have to think about it anymore. It's not heavy anymore. And the story you tell yourself when you see that barbell is not, shit, that's a heavy barbell, but that's just a barbell. I can pick that up. Yeah. That's easy, right? And then I'll, I'll, what happens is we add some weight to it. And then that same, that story happens again. And then that continues to happen until you hit the ceiling of, in this case, your physical capacity. I'd even encourage people to, to take this over to the busyness thing. We're talking about the mindset side of this and you know, how you can identify with somebody who can't resist cookies, you know, start to catch yourself when you, when somebody asks you how you're doing and you respond with busy, you're just going to continue mm-hmm. to see yourself as this busy person who has no control of, of their life. Um, and that's yep. just how you're going to continue to live. Like give them an answer that means something. Maybe you'll start a conversation that actually leads to something other than everybody just complaining about how busy that we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the questions you've got to ask is, am I okay being busy? Right. Am I happy to be busy? I like me. I like being busy, but I don't like being overwhelmed. Yeah, and therein lies the, the, the difference. And so being busy, like I like people who are busy. Like I I'm busy. I like doing things. I like, I like having things to do. I like project. Like I like being busy, but what I don't want is to be busy at the expense of something else. In other words, I don't want to work so much that I don't that I'm that I don't put my kids to bed at night. I don't want to be so busy that I'm constantly stressed and thinking about work when I should be in the backyard playing catch with my son. I'm not yeah. willing to make the trade-off between busy and stressed or busy and overwhelmed, mm-hmm. whatever whatever the word is you want to use. And so I'm fine to be busy as long as I'm being busy with intention as long as I'm busy on purpose. I think the problem is, is that many people get busy by accident and then it starts. We don't have any, we don't control it. We didn't do it on purpose. We didn't choose it. And so now we're at the, we're at the mercy of busy. 
that is when we get into trouble. And so if you're going to be busy, choose what's going to be make you busy. Choose to be busy from when I wake up to when I go to bed and choose to fill those hours with things that are are valuable to you, that are useful mm -hmm. to you. You could be busy and spend the first two hours reading in the morning. You're still busy. You've still got stuff going on. You still you still have a place you want to be from seven o'clock to nine o'clock in the morning. I'm fine with that being that kind of busy. That's cool. That's your choice. Where I think people run into trouble is we don't make those choices. And so we let the universe hand us things to do. Oh, go do this. I've got to do this. I have to fix that now. And maybe I should do this instead of saying, what do I actually want to spend my day doing? What do I want to do this morning before I have to get in the car and go to work? Because if you don't ask that question, what's going to happen? I don't know. Probably you'll scroll your phone. The kids will <laughs> spill something. So you'll get annoyed right? Like, and then you'll kind of stumble out of the house with, you know, on your third cup of coffee. And you'll be like, just starting the day unhappy. Whereas you could have said, I'm going to wake up at seven, I'm going to spend the first hour doing this, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with the kids, I'm going to get in, in the car at 830, I'm gonna be ready to go. And I promise you, you will feel better at the 830 on that version, even if that didn't happen perfectly. Even if the kids started crying and like, okay, I got to stop doing them. If you go into a day with a plan, and you're cool to adjust that plan a little bit, you will be far happier than if you wake up and you say, all right, universe, what do you got for me today? Because the universe yeah. will give you things. It will give you every, yeah. it'll give you anything and everything. I promise you it's not the things you want though. It'll be somebody else's problem. It'll be somebody else's commitment, somebody else's responsibility, somebody else's something else. And you'll just go through the day wondering why you don't get anything done and wondering why you're feeling unfulfilled and wondering why you're feeling overwhelmed because you're not making any choices. And when we don't make choices, we are we are miserable. We are we are happiest when we have a fair amount of autonomy and flexibility in our lives. Not infinite. That's not particularly useful either. But you have enough. And so you've and so you've got to you've got to train that muscle so that you can fight against the world handing you random things that aren't important. But that I guess was, that's I guess I have to do that now. Yeah, it goes all the way back to Parkinson's rule. And you could take this on yep. the micro, like I'm going to fill this one hour or, you know, however long I give to myself to do this, I'm going to fill it up. Or if you just look in the grand scheme of like 10 years of your life, like if you weren't intentional about what was I trying to get done during this 10 years, mm -hmm. you will fill that 10 years up. I promise you just yep. might not be with 100%. the things that, that you wanted. You made me think of something else that Blakely and I've been talking about a lot lately, um, kind of talking about how life will hand us things that make us feel busy. And we, um, you know, people will ask, people mean well, people aren't trying to always just snatch your time and, and things like that. But people sometimes can be selfish. And as people who want to be people pleasers, those two things don't mix well. So it's easy to let somebody else's quote needs take the place of your own needs. And maybe you don't even classify the things that you want for your life as needs. Maybe you see them as wants. So when somebody else comes at you with a need and your thing is really just like a want in your mind, you're always going to prioritize what this other person needs from you, even if it's not really a need in the first place. The, the example of this we always come back to is, you know, somebody calls you, um, you, you finally have some time set aside for yourself to get your workout and to prepare some food, whatever, to relax with the family. Somebody calls you, I need you to take me to the airport. Crap. Mm. Like that's, that was the time I had for myself, but this person needs yep. me to do it. 
So you place their need over top of your only want. Your health and fitness is a want, not a need, so you lose all your priority. This person's need could have been fulfilled by Uber, another friend, a family member, all those things. It isn't really a need, but we're afraid to let them down and set boundaries. Um, so be, be aware of that, you know, something that we're constantly trying to work on and, you know, you do it in a way where you try not to upset people, but it's, it's okay to be a little bit selfish with what your actual needs are compared to somebody else's fake need. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there's a distinction worth making and, and it's not one that many people make, but there is a real difference between being nice and being kind by which I mean, being nice is like, that bordering on that kind of people pleasing like oh, okay i got i'm a nice person i got to bring that person to the airport like that's like i got to do like that feels like the nice thing to do but but what we do is we we have a we kind of have a black and white of if i'm not nice then i'm cruel and there's very little gray area between those things and so in that in that case okay charlie just asked me to bring him to the airport i'm either a nice person or i bring him or I'm a jackass and I say no. But the truth of the matter is, is there's a, there's, a, there's a spot in the middle called being kind. And it's being kind to Charlie and it's being kind to yourself. And you can say no to Charlie without being an asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can do that in a way that doesn't make you feel like you're not being nice. You can be kind to him and say, Charlie, listen, uh, I, I'd love to help you, but this is last minute and I've got something else I've got to do. But call this person. I know that they're I know that they're not busy right now and they can probably bring you or hey listen Uber Uber can sh- be at your house in 10 minutes. You're all good. You don't need me, right? You can be kind to yourself and be sure. kind to them without being cruel, without being mean, without sacrificing who we want to be, who we want we all mm-hmm. want to be nice people, but without giving all of ourselves away in order to do that. And so figuring out where or how I can be kind versus always being nice is really important yeah, because, in, because may- all the things, you, the things you work on, they all require at their heart is getting fitter, getting healthier, doing things that are core to who we want to be. Start with our ability and our willingness and our insistence on being kind to ourselves, treating yeah. ourselves like we often treat other people. Giving, yeah. giving ourselves the attention and the, uh, the love that we too often, and again, it's not a bad thing, but that we often give at an, we often ignore it so that we can give it to somebody else. Yeah. That doesn't That's get us anywhere. Stuff. That doesn't get us anywhere. And so realizing I have to first be kind to myself and Charlie just asked me, and I know if I, if I wasn't doing anything, if I just had all the free time in the world, I'd be happy to bring him to the airport. But the kind thing is to is to be respectful of the request, try to help them if I can, but don't but not break the promise that I made to myself that that hour is for me and for my health and for my fitness. Yeah, that's it's the whole like trying to pour from an empty cup example. 100%. Yeah, yep. man, that's a great. And we place have to, to wrap make up. ourselves. We have to make ourselves a priority at some point because the world will not make us a priority. Everybody is trying to make themselves and their problems and their needs the priority. It's just the way we operate. And so if you wanna play in the game of being a human and you wanna get healthy, you wanna do something outside of just get through the day, it starts 
with recognizing that we have to make ourselves a priority. We have to make our, our time a priority. We have to make our energy a priority. We have to make our attention a priority. And we have to make our resources a priority, our money, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so until we recognize that those are the four big uh, levers that we have or the four dials that we can turn, then somebody else, somebody else's problems, somebody else's challenges, somebody else's needs will always come in on top of ours and will always be like, I'll take care of that some other day. I'll do that later when I have more time. You don't have more time because you fill the time. Parkinson's law will teaches us we will fill the time. So we don't get more time. We do get to do something different with our time if we're willing to slow down and say, what is the best use of me? What is the best use of my time? What is the best use of my attention? What is the best use of my energy? What is the best use of my money? Cool. Start there. I promise you it's not bringing Charlie to the airport. <laughs> You've got more important things to do. Yeah, man, that is good. Oh, I'm already like uh, thinking of things we can talk about next time. <laughs> this is good stuff. Let's do it. But I, but I want to be uh, respectful of your time. So let everybody know um, how they can connect with you online. If there's any other entrepreneurs, especially in the gym space, um, listening to this, how they can yeah. tap into your brain to help their business. Love it. So uh, uh, I guess three things. One, Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Um, that's always a good spot. And then two projects that, uh, one you mentioned and one that nobody knows about yet. So I'm telling you first, um, but something I've been working on. So one functional branding.com, uh, I, I do a, uh, intensive brand workshop with coaches and entrepreneurs, um, where they come to this little office that I'm in here, uh, in Southern Maine. And we kind of do a deep dive on, uh, what you're trying to do, who it's for and build a strategy around actually, uh, doing it. And then the second thing, which is brand new, is called Whiteboard OS, which is uh, effectively the operating system that I've used and have developed for myself all along the things we've been talking about here um, to really marry the vision of what you're trying to accomplish with, uh, with whatever you're building, uh, your brand, your business, and how you actually execute it. And a big part of that is how you manage your time, how you manage your attention. I love that. How you can, can people, find out more uh, about that, that. Whiteboard OS. Yeah, whiteboardos.com. Okay, awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, if anybody has not seen the most recent CrossFit documentary and you want to hear more mm. of Patrick, just head. It's a great <laughs> video. It's a great movie, too. So check Thank that you. out yes, as well. It is. All right, man. Thanks again for your time. Have a great rest of your day. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate it. But real quick, before we go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell for all of the latest and greatest free content. If you're interested in working with Blakely and I, we'd love to talk. Apply for coaching with the link in the description of this episode or by visiting digitalbarbell.com. We'd love to talk about helping you reach your goals with a training and nutrition program built just for you. Thanks again and have a great day.